Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey. Welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very, very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia. And as always, it is a great joy to be here with you, coming to you live today at 4 o'clock on these domestic church uh, radio stations and also all of our platforms, including YouTube, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia, and live video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia, Streaming live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. And uh, I pray, my friend, you're having a blessed, happy, and holy July 16th, the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And so on this very special day, uh, I, uh, I'm happy you are here. I did take a couple days away. Uh, my goodness, yesterday and the day before, beautiful days. Uh, Cheryl and I had some time to get uh, down the shore yesterday and just enjoy the, the I don't know how it was here, but down down uh, along the coast, it was beautiful, and the day before as well. So, anyway, I you know sometimes we're not really taking extended vacations this summer. The way things are going, you don't know where you can go, what you can do. So just you know, days at a time, hop hop out of here and, and <laughs> relax a little bit. Uh, but anyway, I'm happy to be back and and happy that you are here. And uh, today. Thursday, uh, it is Catechism. I'm kind of going all over the place because, you know, when, uh, of course, Cheryl and I will be here together tomorrow for Friday Live, but uh, getting out of my uh, my routine for Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What, I do, what, what, what am I here? Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, uh, so anyway, normally Catechism Day, and I do have the Catechism teaching today, and I thought what I would do... Um, Monday, right, was July 13th. Monday was July 13th. It was on that day in 1917 during the uh, apparition of our Blessed Mother to the uh, children at Fatima that she showed them a vision of hell. And uh, I know I've shared this with you, but um, I remember when I was in grammar school, uh, first or second grade, maybe even kindergarten, and we had an assembly in our uh, gymnasium there, and they showed us the film on Our Lady of Fatima. I still have in my mind that picture of hell <laughs> and Blessed Mother showing the children uh, the vision of hell. But anyway, I want to share with you today um, Lucia's own words uh, on what she saw, and uh, we'll talk about that. But then I thought we the catechism, you know what? There's so many crazy things going on in the world today. Um just so much confusion and division, you know, very much, even in our church. And, you know, even people who are divided amidst the pandemic about who's wearing the mask, who's not wearing the mask, how are you wearing it, when are you wearing it, and other things that are going on, it's dividing people. It's dividing parishes. It's it's dividing families. And um, the world just seems to be in a, in a uh, kind of a tailspin here. Um, 
And then you're hearing about uh, a particular priest up in Canada, and I didn't know about it until today, and I was reading an article uh, by uh, Dr. Mark Miravalli. Uh, apparently this priest, his bishop is kind of, you know, he's steering clear of him, and he's making a lot of claims about various things, so all kinds of confusion. Uh, so I, I thought, you know what I'd do today? Go to the catechism and just hear what our church teaches about heaven. <laughs> because, you know, that's where we want to be eventually for all eternity, right? And, and what we're striving and hoping and praying for here. So let's just go to the catechism and listen to what the church teaches us about heaven. Before we do that, my brothers and sisters, we're going to pray. And as always, I invite you to join me and all of our domestic church media family from all over the world coming together to pray at this time, wherever you are listening or watching, however you're listening or watching, uh, to come together in prayer. Now, what we're going to start next week, I'll, I'll pray once more today the prayer um, that Holy Father Pope Francis gave us, praying to our Blessed Mother uh, to protect us from the pandemic. But what I would like to start next week is to pray a prayer starting next to Tuesday. Uh, we'll pray a prayer. We're going to pray this prayer right through um, into the fall, uh, a, a prayer to our Blessed Mother and to our triune God uh, to protect the United States of America, to pray for our country. Um, we find ourselves, even again, you know, talking about division and talking about uh, the state of affairs. Um, we see so much uh, among the citizens of this country divided over so many issues. And, of course, we know that there is a very important uh, presidential election coming up in November. Um, and while we can't, as a nonprofit uh, apostolate and radio uh, broadcaster, we we can't, and commercial, non-commercial broadcaster, we can't endorse any particular candidate or they'll, the FCC would define us $10,000 for each infraction. Well, you know, we don't want to do that. So we're going to put the country and everything that this country needs to be into the hands of our Blessed Mother and take that to uh, her son. And it's a beautiful prayer that actually was used at the dedication of the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. in 1959. So starting next Tuesday, we'll pray that prayer at this time, at the beginning of the program. But what I've also done is I've had made up, created, and we, we purchased them, uh, I ordered, I ordered 5,000 of them to, to begin with this prayer on a beautiful four-by-six card um, that we want to give to you, and hopefully you can distribute. If, if maybe if your parish would want to put them in the uh, uh, vestibule or, or somewhere, if there's you know they have a reading rack or something, people are going back to Mass, hopefully. And, and But get this prayer out to as many people as possible to pray for our country. I really believe, my brothers and sisters, and we're going to pray now, but, and I want to get back to this, but I really do believe we need to see very, very strong divine intervention uh, in all of this. But let's, let's pray first. Let's pray our regular prayers. And uh, as always, I invite you to join me and all of our family in prayer for whatever your intentions are. 
And I'm asking you, please, to pray for our apostolate. I just called a couple of people. We're trying to—this <laughs> 1260 transmitter situation is giving me a little agita. But, um, uh, in fact, I got a, a lovely phone call earlier today from a listener up in central Bucks County who used to listen to us all the time and now has been un- unable to hear us. And, and, and because of you know, the current transmitter we're using, we had to reduce power. We're kind of on a wing and a prayer here. Um, and she's not hearing us the way she used to. And she said, I don't, have, I don't have TV. I don't have the Internet. She goes, I just count on you, meaning domestic church media. Thanks be to God, uh, but can't hear us. So I, I just have to pray that we get at least that $38,000 that we need to get this new transmitter to get that signal back out there. It's a battle. It's a battle. But uh, So pray for that with us, if, if you will. Also pray for our, our dear young friend Maria in the hospital on a ventilator. Um, we're praying for the miracle, uh, and um, we just put it in God's hands. So pray for that situation as well, and to pray for our apostolate, you know, in the work that we do, because the devil hates it, right? So let's begin, my brothers and sisters, as we begin all good things, that is, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who at the foot of the cross were united with Jesus' suffering and persevered in your faith. You know our needs, and we know that you will provide so that, as at Cana in Galilee, joy and celebration may return after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the will of the Father and to do what Jesus tells us. For he took upon himself our suffering and burdened himself with our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. And let's pray, my friends, our prayers to St. Michael the Archangel and also the beautiful ancient uh, prayer to our Blessed Mother, the Subtum Presidium prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis asked us to pray uh, every day. And almost two years ago, it was August of 2018, that he asked us to pray these prayers every day with the specific intention of protecting the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And the prayer to Our Lady, we fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, in a special way, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, my friends, I thank you so much for praying together. And, uh, you know, send us those prayer requests, because this coming Monday already, my goodness, where is the time going? But this coming Monday um, is the third Monday of July, and that means our dear friend Bruce Tobacco will be here live at 3 o'clock, 
for his Come to the Throne program where he throws open the prayer tent and invites you to call in and pray along uh, for all of your intentions and each other. So that's this coming Monday. You can also send us your prayer requests in the meantime, and I'm uh, happy to have them here in the studio when Bruce comes in and we share them on the air. That's this coming Monday live at 3 o'clock. Uh, again, getting back to our situation here, as I said, I've, I've, I've uh, had made up, but I haven't. They, they arrived the other day, 5,000 prayer cards that uh, our uh, wonderful uh, graphic designer, Emily, uh, put together for us, designed for us with this prayer for the United States of America. And it's a prayer that just prays for God to bless our country. Um, you know, I think today, unfortunately, because of a lack of, uh, and I don't know for sure what they were, what they are, what they teach in school these days, but as far as history goes, but, uh, you know, we, those of you who are my age and I'm, I'm in my mid sixties and those of us who are baby boomers, who are the children of the greatest generation, those who fought in the second world war fought around the world for freedom. I was showing, it's funny, on, on um, uh, Father's Day, uh, my, my dad was a lieutenant in the Navy during the Second World War, and he had graduated from Fordham University. And I guess when uh, he enlisted, um, one of the superiors came and asked for any of the soldiers who had college degrees and you know he had just graduated from Fordham so he raised his hand and they wanted the gentlemen the men who had the uh, advanced education meaning at least a, a bachelor's I guess um, to go to officers officers uh, training school and uh, he actually had to go to Notre Dame University was being used by the Navy as a, a, a school to train uh, naval officers and so he went there but I, I had sent a picture to my three kids on Father's Day, of my father's ship that he commanded. It was a, a landing craft, uh, and he had a crew, of maybe seven, eight, eight men on it, and a couple of anti-aircraft guns on it, and then, you know, would bring the soldiers and the tanks. I think it was most, mostly tanks that they would, you know, land, and the tanks would roll off the ship. Uh, and he was not at D-Day, but he was at uh, the second invasion of France, I guess. And did you know there was a second one? We even have a medal that he received for that. Anyway, I showed my kids a picture of the ship and a picture of my dad in his, in his uh, lieutenant outfit. Uh, and he, my father was 23 years old when he was commander of this ship. And my kids seemed very surprised that someone so, quote, unquote, young <laughs> would be given that type of responsibility. It's a different world, isn't it? But these young men went out, uh, and uh, I was talking to my sister earlier today, and we were singing, and, and at the time, you know, even the, the families of the soldiers didn't even know where they were. They weren't even allowed to say where they were going, and they didn't even themselves know. I was reading letters from my father uh, that he had written to uh, my mom uh, during the war, and, and he would say he can't, they're not permitted, they don't even know where they're going. They, they don't even tell the soldiers. But anyway, so my, 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 my point is that we... I think today our young people don't really fully understand the multiple sacrifices that have been made uh, to give us the freedoms that we have in this country and that how uh, much a, an important role faith has played in our 
a country's development and growth. I mean, even our founding fathers began by giving credit to God that all men are created equal and, and given by the creator the unalienable rights of, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And how we as Americans, we don't want to lose that. You know, we think back. I was, again, sharing a story with my son, uh, texting the other night because there was a picture of our grandson, his son, and uh, our granddaughter playing out in their backyard. And they have under their porch a little bit of trellis work, wooden trellis work, you know, you have under porches to keep animals out and things. And I shared with him how when I was four years old, it's hard to believe and that I was four years old and we lived at a home up in uh, North Jersey, up in Pagoda, that had trellis work under the porch. And I was four years old outside playing with my little next door neighbor pal, who was also four years old. We were out there by ourselves playing, <laughs> playing. And we found, I guess, one of my dad's saws, and we, we, I began to saw off the trellis work. I was four years old. Uh, I guess the parents in those days didn't think much about letting a four-year-old go outside and play. It's a different world, right? People just were, they trusted more. And they had, I guess, reason to trust more. There was more of a sense of decency, of of God-fearing individuals who lived by the basic Judeo-Christian values. We seem to be losing that. You know, and so anyway, we're going to pray this prayer uh, that was um, prayed at the... uh, um, when they opened the Basilica at the blessing of the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. And I have it on four by six cards, and I have the whole stack here, and we'll start praying it next week, and then we'll let you know how you can request and get them. We're going to send them to you for free. You can pass them around and just encourage people to pray, especially between now and and November 3rd, to pray for our country, that the right men and women who are supposed to be in those positions of serving the people, which is what our congressmen and women are, what, are who, what our president and vice president is. They're, they're, they're there to serve the people. We shouldn't have to sit back and watch it like we're third-party bystanders and observers. Those people in Washington work for us, the people, and we have to remember that, and they have to remember that. And you want the right men and women in those positions to lead us according to God's will and, and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, whether they know it or not, We want to put people in there who have that understanding. So we're going to—I do believe, I mean, I I do believe it's going to take divine intervention this time. There's so much deception out there. There is so much deceit. Uh, There there is so much um, of an undercurrent. You hear about the deep state and those types of things. My brothers and sisters, we have to pray that away. It's, it's, it's the work of the devil. It's diabolical. It really is. I mean, if we talk about division, which we see all over the place, division is the work of the devil. Division is diabolic. So we have to pray that away. Now, we here at the Apostolate, you know, thanks be to God, throughout this entire ordeal that we found ourselves in with the beginning of the pandemic, we've never had to go away. We've always been here. We've been here 24-7 for you, and I want to continue to be here to be a light, a beacon of hope 
where we can come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord and pray and hear the truth that is truth without a political spin, without, without all the other types of uh, um, uh, opinions that might come in to play, that we bring you the truth. And the truth with a capital T. His name is Jesus. So let's do this. Let me, let me go first. I, 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 I did find this, um, as I said, on Monday was the anniversary of the apparition, uh, one of the apparitions of our Blessed Mother to the shepherd children at Fatima. And it, it's the uh, apparition in which she showed them a vision of hell. Hell should scare us. <laughs> we should we should not play around with that type of uh, attitude where, uh, you know, I don't believe there is a hell. I don't believe God will send anybody there. Well, that's right. God's not going to send us there. We're going to send ourselves there if we choose to go there. But the implications behind that, I don't think people take seriously enough. What is hell? And why don't we want to go there? Listen to what Lucia wrote um, because she did say, Blessed Mother did tell Sister Lucia and the children that many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray or make sacrifices for them. And in her own memoirs, uh, Sister Lucia described the vision of hell. And this is what she wrote. These are the actual words of Lucia. She, meaning Blessed Mother, opened her hands once more, as she had done the two previous months. The rays of light appeared to penetrate the earth, and we saw, as it were, a vast sea of fire. Plunged in this fire, we saw the demons and the souls of the damned. The latter were like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, having human forms. They were floating about in that conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames, which issued from within themselves, together with great clouds of smoke. Now they fell back on every side like sparks in huge fires without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fright. It must have been this sight which caused me to cry out as people say they heard me. The demons were distinguished from the souls of the damned by their terrifying and repellent likeness to uh, frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. The vision only lasted for a moment, thanks to our good Heavenly Mother, who at the first apparition had promised to take us to heaven. Without that... I think we would have died of terror and fear. Those are the words of Saint Lucia, Sister Lucia, on her vision of hell. And remember, these are young children. But think about this, my brothers and sisters. You know, hell is a very real state of being. 
and people may go there. Now, in the vision, Lucia says she saw the souls of the damned. Blessed Mother told the children, um, many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray or make sacrifices for them. This, this should be a, a something that we are, not that we are always thinking about trying to avoid hell. What we should be doing is doing everything we possibly can to get to heaven. And this is why our loving Father sent his only begotten Son into this world to save us from sin and this eternal death. Imagine living or existing being in this state, as Lucia described it, without end. You know, it's a horrifying reality. Now, uh, the church has, has never said, first of all, the church says heaven is, it is, a very real state of being. You know, every year in October for the past few years, anyway, I've been reading to you these wonderful teachings that St. Pope John Paul II gave on three consecutive Wednesday general audiences. You can look them up. They're in the, uh, on the Vatican website where he described heaven, hell. He taught right, about heaven, hell, and purgatory. And uh, he did say that hell is a very real state of being, and the church teaches that it is, and the church teaches that people may go there. The church has never taught anyone by name that's there. Blessed Mother said there are many souls that have gone there because no one was praying for them or making sacrifices for them. The children saw human form. Uh, the souls of the damned, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, having human forms. There's wailing and, and uh, shrieks and groans of pain and despair all around them. Imagine living, existing, being in that state. And it, it, it disturbs me. It probably disturbs you as well, I'm sure when you either hear people or encounter people who just seem to brush this off as if it's, it's uh, you know, uh, some type of fiction and not reality. Or people who assume, make the, uh, commit the sin of presumption that they're, they're automatically saved. People who are self-righteous I don't commit sin. I don't sin. We're all sinners. And sometimes people get into those serious sins and separate themselves and can separate themselves eternally from God. Now, we know that with Christ, all things are possible and there is enormous hope of salvation. Great hope of salvation. And I've shared with you the Faustina entry where Jesus himself, Faustina said Jesus revealed to her this conversation between a despairing soul and the old merciful Lord and, and how the Lord will continue to try to exert his mercy on the soul so that the soul 
doesn't find itself completely separated eternally from the love of the Father. But this is, you know, where we are right now. It's just a temporary, a temporary state of being. Our eternal state of being will be one of two places. Heaven or what Lucia just described. And we should teach our children that. We should let them know about it. Now, hey, listen, it didn't hurt me when I saw it. When I, again, I was probably first grade, maybe kindergarten, and I still have in my mind that vision that I saw as the, the good sisters were showing us the movie of Our Lady of Fatima and this particular scene where she showed the children hell. It did. It frightened me, and it still frightens me. didn't make me crazy. It didn't make me, you know, uh, but it, it keeps me, you know, thinking. <laughs> right? It should keep us on our toes, on our spiritual toes to keep going in the right direction. That's why you listen to Catholic radio. That's, <laughs> that's why you're here. So anyway, I thought I would share that that was this past Monday, uh, July 13th, which was the anniversary of this particular apparition. But I thought... Since it is Thursday, it is Catechism Day, that when we come back from our break, we'll go to the Catechism on the section where uh, we are taught about um, heaven from the Catechism. Uh, After all, that's our ultimate destination, and you can't ever hear too much about heaven (laughs) because yesterday was... um, the ninth anniversary of my mom's passing. She passed away on uh, July 15th in uh, 2011. And, um, you know, so whenever you have those types of anniversaries, remembrances, you think about, you know, we as believers know that those uh, people who have gone on to the next life do live on. They have not stopped being. They are fully alive and await hopefully, their entrance into heaven, if they're not there already, and uh, wait for us. So let's take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and hear all about what I love and you love, heaven. Don't go away. There's more to come on Come to Me. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Sister Ann Shields speaking to you from Food for the Journey, a program that is heard on domestic church radio Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. I want to encourage you to listen to that program, not because I'm doing it, but because I speak of the scripture readings for the day, and the Word of God is what gives us life. Brothers and sisters, today we need life.
Hi, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Turn over the pages of sacred scripture. What do you find? You find a record of men to whom God has spoken. And you'll also find a record of men who listened to him. In other words, scripture is fulfilled in concrete living dialogues. Now, men do not always want that dialogue with God. At one time, they desire it. At another time, they fear it. Adam was afraid when God called him in the garden. Cain was afraid when God spoke to him. Moses was afraid before the burning bush. When you and I have a dialogue with God, what makes it up? One thing that makes it up is, first of all, a consciousness of our own sin. And the other is the voice of God urging us to confess it, to seek his mercy. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Want a work of virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is, 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. From Falsington to Fort Monmouth. Point Pleasant to Pennington. Seagirt to Spotswood. From Yardley to Yardville. Silverdale to Seagirt. Southampton to Seaside Heights. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back on this lovely July 16th, 2020, the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Uh, also, it's a birthday today. It's uh, Johnette Williams is her birthday today. Johnette Williams has a birthday on the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. In fact, she was here two years ago on her birthday. We had a little cake for her and things, visiting. Um, I'm sure you've seen, we're going to get to the catechism in a minute, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen the stories now of all the, you know, the statues that 
are being vandalized and destroyed, and uh, now it's even gone as far as uh, vandalizing and, and damaging statues of Blessed Mother. Uh, there was a church where a statue of Jesus was decapitated. Um, so, you know, crazy things, horrible things going on. Uh, but you may have heard also that uh, President Trump uh, proposed a, uh, um, what was he calling it, a, like a, a park of, of uh, American heroes, statues of American heroes, um, nation's founders and inventors, abolitionists, explorers, evangelists. Someone is suggesting that they included in that array of statues in, his, in the uh, country's uh, this commemoration of American heroes, they put a statue of venerable Fulton Sheen. That would be neat, wouldn't it? I mean, Fulton Sheen, when you start to think about it, what, what Fulton Sheen did, um, especially on television, radio is one thing, but especially on uh, television, and television was pretty much in its infancy in the 1950s, uh, but very popular. And, you know, the three major networks, there was ABC, CBS, NBC, that was it. We didn't have cable. We didn't have, you know, all, all the so there are three major networks. And um, you uh, have to imagine what this was like, uh, where uh, Fulton Sheen, a, an archbishop in the Catholic Church, had his own primetime television program uh, opposite Milton Berle, who was a very popular comedian and television star in his own right. Uh, actually was more popular than Milton Berle for the half hour that Sheen was on. Um, I remember reading a story once where uh, Jackie Gleason, uh, you know, from the Honeymooners and other any other successes he had, um, was a Catholic. I don't know, again, how much of a practicing Catholic he was, but he was Catholic. And he used to go over to the NBC studios when Fulton Sheen was um, doing his program, you know, he didn't have, you didn't see, really see an audience when Fulton Sheen was doing his um, a Life is Worth Living series. You see them on EWTN now. Thanks be to God, we still have them. We can still watch them. But imagine some of those programs, Jackie Gleason is off camera just listening and watching, you know, and who knows, um, again, what type of an effect it was having on someone like that, very successful uh, television star. Uh, but he would go over, take time out of his own schedule and go watch the program live there uh, behind the camera. You hear so many stories like that. So anyway, the suggestion was that in his, um, I forget what the president was calling it, um, a park or a uh, just a, a display of statues of American heroes, of all, from all walks of life and vocations and, and occupations and things, people who have really made an, uh, had a, an impact uh, on the history of our country, that they should include Fulton Sheen in that. And I think that's a great idea. Fulton Sheen was uh, uh, you know, obviously on his way to sainthood. I don't know, he's kind of, again, once again at a standstill, but um, as they're tearing down statues of Unipera and destroying statues of Blessed Mother and, and, and Our Lord, um, that a statement is made that here's, you know, a, a, an archbishop in the Catholic Church who really, and as I understand it, the majority of Fulton Sheen's television audience wasn't even Catholic. He had more non-Catholics watching him 
than Catholics. So I thought that was a great idea. I posted it on our, on our Facebook page, the article from the New York Post, where someone was suggesting that, uh, making a Sheen statue part of that array of American hero statues. I think it'd be a great idea. Uh, oh, and again, I'll remind you this coming Monday is the third Monday, and that means Bruce DeBacco will be here for Come to the Throne. So please uh, send us your prayer requests, and um, we'll have them here for Bruce. And I know Bruce really, really loves when you call in to pray with him. So the program will be live 3 to 4 o'clock this coming Monday. And um, uh, we encourage you to tune in, and let's pray. You know, we need prayer. We need prayer. We have, we have the most powerful weapon in prayer, you know, when you stop to think about it. I don't care. You know, you talk about you know, all types of artillery, military artillery and things. But prayer is so powerful because it, 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 can, it can really bring someone back to life. God does that through our prayer, our intercessory prayer. It really can and does. And we have such power there. And we can change the course of history with prayer. People get down on their knees. I still think Again, that as we see the direction our country is going in as we get into and toward uh, the election season and election day in November, we need to see the hand of God in this. And uh, we, his uh, faithful children, need to get on our knees and pray for that. So, um, again, I'm going to start, we're going to start praying this prayer for our country uh, next week. And uh, I'll have them available to give out to you free. Just got to ask for them. We'll send them to you. And uh, we can get this prayer out to as many people as possible to pray. It's a prayer for the, for the United States of America. Uh, and, and we, we need it. We need it. Okay, so let me go to the catechism. This is from uh, the catechism on I believe in life everlasting. And it first talks about the particular judgment um, before it gets into the teaching on heaven. But, you know, let me, it's not that long. Let me, let me share this with you because it's obviously something we're all going to face, <laughs> our own particular judgment. It's going to happen. We can't get around it. We can't hide from it. We can't uh, avoid it. We will have a particular judgment. And this is what the church teaches about that. Death puts an end to human life as the time open to either accepting or rejecting the divine grace manifested in Christ. The New Testament speaks of judgment primarily in its aspect of the final encounter with Christ in his second coming, but also repeatedly affirms that each will be rewarded immediately after death in accordance with his works and faith. The parable of the poor man, Lazarus, and the works, uh, words of Christ on the cross to the good thief, as well as other New Testament uh, texts speak of a final destiny of the soul, a destiny which can be different for some and for others. Each man receives his eternal retribution in his immortal soul at the very moment of his death, in a particular judgment that refers his life to Christ, either entrance into the blessedness of heaven through, through a purification or immediately, or immediate and everlasting damnation. At the evening of life, 
we shall be judged on our love. I know there's a great quote. I know I've shared it with you, but I it's, I still have it uh, written down in my little home basement studio there. I always had it in front of me. Um, uh, from um, uh, Mother, uh, Mother Cabrini. Where she said, when we find ourselves on the brink of eternity, how then shall we desire to have spent the years of our life? You know, you, in fact, Cheryl and I were talking yesterday. We were reflecting. We were just having a beautiful day yesterday at the water, and the, the sky was just gorgeous, and the beautiful breeze. Just a lovely, lovely day. And we were just talking about our life. <laughs> You know, we're at that age now. We look back and we've had many, many blessings, still have many, many blessings with our children and daughters-in-law and our, our beautiful grandchildren and another one on the way due in October. And um, just how much the Lord has blessed us in so many ways, you know, and we are thankful for that, grateful for that. And, you know, you, you wonder how fast have the years gone? Where, where have they gone? And we're going to get, I remember hearing Father Groeschel, God rest his soul, of happy memory, one time say, you know, he was talking about married couples. And he was saying one thing is inevitable in a, in a marriage, and that is, barring a catastrophe where both individuals die at the same time through an accident or something, but, but the normal course of any marriage is that one of them is going to die first. One of them is going to be left behind. That happens most in most marriages. You know, <laughs> they don't both go at the same time usually, and you wonder who and wonder how. I was thinking again. I mentioned my my mom passed yesterday. It was nine years ago yesterday she passed suddenly. But we go and we we will face this particular judgment at the evening of life. We shall be judged on our love. How did we love? We're imperfect by our very nature, but we all have the capacity to love. And how did we do that? How did we interact with those people, those other souls that the Lord placed in our life in one way or another for extended periods or just in passing? How did we love? We shouldn't fear our particular judgment. We should go to the Lord and beg for his mercy. We are sinners. And there may be some purification required or not. Wouldn't that be nice if we were at that point? <laughs> well, we have this life to get ready for that. But most of us have to go through that purification. And good thing about purgatory is once you're there, you know there's only one way to go. Or rejection of God's love and mercy and find the soul into everlasting damnation. But let's talk about where, where we really want to be and spend eternity, and that's obviously heaven. And this is what our catechism teaches about heaven. Those who die in God's grace and friendship are perfectly purified I'm sorry, those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified live forever with Christ. 
they are like God forever, for they see him as he is, face to face. And then there's a quote, and I have to see where this quote is from. Oops. Let's see. 1023. Let's uh, this. Uh, this is from, um, well, based on 1 John, 1 Corinthians. And we go back there. Okay. By virtue of our apostolic authority, we define the following. According to the general disposition of God, the souls of all the saints and other faithful who died after receiving Christ's holy baptism, providing they were not in need of purification when they died, or if they then did need or will need some purification when they have been purified after death, already before they take up their bodies again and before the general judgment, and since the ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into heaven, have been, are, and will be in heaven, in the heavenly kingdom, and celestial paradise with Christ, joined to the company of the holy angels. Since the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, these souls have seen and do see the divine essence with an intuitive vision, and even face to face without the mediation of any creature. So what will, what will, we're going to have someone on the program, uh, on the Friday program coming up. What is heaven really like? He's written a book. What is heaven really like? And we'll find out. But, you know, the Scripture tells us, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it even entered the mind, what God has in store for those who love him. I remember I have a recording. It's about 10 minutes long. Uh, the network used to run it, and I have the CD, of Father Frank Pavone uh, from Priests for Life describing heaven. And uh, I remember listening to it again after my mom died. And it, it was it's such a beautiful reflection because he talks about we'll hear music that we never heard and could never have imagined in this life, the beauty of the music. Uh, he said we'll have food that we never will have had, would have had here, but the, 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 the delicious food we'll have. And, you know, you say, well, how can we eat in heaven? Hey, Jesus in his glorified state, he, he was eating uh, with his uh, apostles. That, that's where we're going to find ourselves, you know, in that glorified state eventually, God willing. And the existence will be more real than now. This probably will seem like a dream. <laughs> the reality of our state of being in heaven in God's presence and seeing him face to face, the divine essence will be so present and real to us. That's why you hear people, you know, people hear the stories of people who have had these near death experiences, how real they are, how true, I don't, you know, you'd like to believe they are because they're very nice to listen to and very nice to imagine. But every single one of them that you read about these near-death experiences where people actually communicate with God or Jesus, God the Father or Jesus, they don't want to come back. <laughs> they, they, even though everything they know and love in this life is back here, they don't want to leave. They, 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 they want to stay there. 
right? What is it about that 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 state of being that makes it so incredible that I don't want to leave? I don't want to leave this, right? And in the near-death experiences, of course, because they live to tell the near-death experience, they're sent back. Well, you have to go back. And they have a whole different perspective of life and death. What awaits us is beyond our understanding. This, the, the Catechism says the perfect life, this perfect life, meaning heaven, with the most holy trinity, this communion of life and love with the trinity, with the Virgin Mary, the angels, and all the blessed, is called heaven. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme definitive happiness. Just think about that. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme Definitive happiness. Supreme definitive happiness. You think about those times in this life, and we have them, where we have a little taste of that, right? I, I, I think about it, I use it as an example because it was true. I mean, it, <laughs> I remember being in the delivery room at the birth of all of our children, but the but but the the. The, our first baby, our oldest son, being there, there was something in that delivery room that I experienced that was as if we were just all transported into a different level of being. When I heard the, the first cries of our son, it was something in that room, which is just a, a fraction, a minute little taste of what awaits us eternally forever. Heaven. You know, you can think of situations in your own life when you've you've experienced that. Right? We all have. We, we God gives us a little bit of that every now and then. A little sprinkle. <laughs> of course every holy sacrifice of the mass should be a heavenly experience if we celebrate it, right? It's tough now when you're roped off and wearing masks and doing all the kind of Sorry. I, I, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's the liturgy, but it's, it's, there's, I don't know. But every mass is supposed to be just that. You're supposed to be transported to the representation of the once for all sacrifice of the cross. But just listen to that and, 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 and absorb this. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme, definitive happiness. To live in heaven is to be with Christ. The elect live in Christ, but they retain or rather find their true identity, their own name. For life is to be with Christ where Christ is. There is life. There is the kingdom. By his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ has opened heaven to us. The life of the blessed consists in the full and perfect possession of the fruits of the redemption accomplished by Christ. He makes partners in his heavenly glorification, those who have believed in him and remained faithful to his will. Heaven is the blessed community of all who are perfectly incorporated into Christ. This mystery of blessed communion with God 
and all who are in Christ is beyond all understanding and description. Scripture speaks of it in images, life, light, peace, wedding feast, wine of the kingdom, the Father's house, the heavenly Jerusalem, paradise. Then, of course, he quotes from St. Paul, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. And the Catechism says, because of this, uh, his transcendence, God cannot be seen as he is unless he himself opens up his mystery to man's immediate contemplation and gives him capacity for it. The Church calls this contemplation of God in his heavenly glory the beatific vision. In the glory of heaven, the blessed continue joyfully to fulfill God's will in relation to other men and to all creation. Already they reign with Christ. With him they shall reign forever and ever. And this is what awaits all of us, to reign with Christ forever and ever in that beautiful state of existence, a state of being that we call heaven. So when we hear and see, you know, like we've shared with you the vision of hell that the children at Fatima were given by our Blessed Mother, or we need to understand that there, there, there is a very real state of being also that separates us from all of this. That is hell. And we want to avoid, obviously, that at all costs and teach others to do the same. You know, what are we to do as evangelists, as disciples of Christ, as missionaries of Christ, to bring all souls into that joy of knowing and loving Jesus, to share then in what he has prepared for us, that which awaits us, that is heaven. Okay, I got to go. Hey, thank you for being here today. I'm so happy that uh, you took some time out of your day. Uh, Join Cheryl and me tomorrow at 4 o'clock for two hours of Friday Live. We have some wonderful guests, and we're going to play Name That Catholic Tune and have other surprises. So have a great rest of your day, my friends. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.